see. I'm going to go ahead and... There's five amateurs. No, she's not here. She's... You know, I think that's Belinda's. She was sitting there last week. Uh, I was hoping she'd come today. This might be your week she can't. She oh, she every other week? Every other week. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So I ought to put it up after class. But no one claims it. I'm pretty sure that's hers. Yeah, it looks pretty warm. She's probably missing it this week. Man, what a week. Did you work, Leo? No. Oh, good. That's pretty cold. Man, it's too cold to be working outside, anyway. Four days. Four days. Oh, man. Well, this week you'll probably work. Weekend, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible cold. A week. Alrighty, so, well, Steve is, isn't here, as you can tell, me standing here. Uh, his mom's funeral was yesterday, so they're still up in Unionville. I think he's getting back tonight. Let's see if we got anybody on yet. Uh, my wife's on. <laughs> hey, Sherry, how you doing? <laughs> All right. Miss you, Sherry. Yeah, I miss you. She's here. Help me do stuff. All right, so announcements first. Let me knock these out real quick. We got all kinds of announcements. Brian sent sent us wanting us to, to forward out. Wants to remind everybody about the social distancing seating that's in the back. And then there's some instructions on how to use it. I don't think any of us uh, partake of that. Uh, next Sunday, I think it's it'd be the 28th. Sunday, February 28th. So that, that would be next Sunday, right? Yes. Yes. Today's 21st. Yeah. At the evening service, 6 p.m. is the joyful noise that we've been talking about. It's it's a, a, a night of praise and worship. I know I've heard Horton talk about they've got three or four bands or groups that are going to be performing. So it should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I believe we're going to that. Marriage conference. Wants to make sure everybody knows about the marriage conference that's coming up. I think the deadline was Friday, a couple days ago, but the, Brian says that the uh, you can still come to the sessions. $65. It's up in Lenexa. Uh, it's all day long on Saturday. Well, it probably goes to three or four. There's Connie. Um, the invest study is going on again. Actually, not till March 9th. You know, the lady study is pretty cool how they're doing it. They're doing, they do two. They do a, an evening and then a daytime because some of the ladies can't go to the evening and some can't go to the day. So they just do two a week. It's uh, Tuesday nights and Thursday mornings. And they meet in here at the library. So that's cool. Uh... March 7th, I should have wrote these up here, but if anyone's interested in working in the kids' wing, I think most of us are, except uh, you two, which you guys, uh, you don't need to, you're too new, I think. Uh, there's a, an orientation meeting for anyone wanting to work in the E-wing on March 7th in Pastor Brian's office. So, All right, this does involve us. The chili cook-off. Were you guys here for that, uh, Pam, last year? Yes. Or, or you were, and then... No, I don't remember. Connie, was you were here? Surely you were I don't here. Remember a chili Man, it was a blast. Okay. 
it's yeah you didn't forget it it was it's uh, it's Sunday March 14th put that on your calendar and come hungry because there's a lot of chili so if you want to bring chili get with David Branham and uh, kind of coordinate with him each ABF we have two judges and I think our judges were Belinda she volunteered and I think Becca I think we're our two judges, so I think we're covered. Hey, there's Brian. <laughs> Let's go, Brian Rinker. He's saying hi. Uh, okay, so Sunday, March 14th, chili cook-off, good time. So what we do is, you know, they had the judges judge the chili, and then there, there's a silver spoon that's going around. I think Diane Trude won it last year. Uh, and then after that, we all just eat chili until we're full. So it's a lot of fun. Today's new member recognition. So Brian says warmly welcome everyone that, that goes up. Uh, the next baptism is March 14th, if you know of anyone needing baptized. And then he wants us to continue to pray for... We have a lot of prayer needs going on. You know, between Boyette, uh, Pastor Jim Boyette, Pastor Mark Trotter. You guys have probably seen those uh, updates from Brian and, and from Mark and his wife, Mark's wife. There's Becca. I was going to Sorry. No, that's right. We're, we're going over announcements. Uh, Pastor Randy Foster. And then I think most of us have heard about the Oliver, the, the crash that involved the Oliver's daughter, Raina, and, and Shores. I think her name is Elizabeth. Uh, Chloe, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's just so sad. Anyway, Brian told us yesterday, Pastor Brian, that the, I think we're going to do a memorial here. For the family, so yeah, that I'm looking forward to that. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, they went here for years, and we know the we knew Raina, so that was just tragic. So that was it for that. That's it for the announcements, the official announcements. Sunday, March 14th. Mark it down. Yeah, that'll be fun. So, Becca, you're still going to be a judge? Yes. Yep, so that'll be Sunday, March 14th. She's skinny. There's no way she's Oh, I love eating food. It's really fun. I was a judge last year. Uh, Branham will bring in a tray with all, like, I think there was like 15 chilies last year. So you got to take a spoon of every every chili. There's like 15 cups in front of you with numbers. You don't know who made them. So you just taste it all, and you write down, you know, like it's most... Really spicy. Don't make them too spicy. Some of them are. Some of them are. There's chicken. I mean, it's really fun. I might try it. We're going to watch. So, yeah. Lives are at stake. you got to judge. Be, be right. All right. So any prayer requests we need to add to our our list? It's Sunday, March 14th. Chili cook-off. Yeah. It's the day after... Isn't it daylight savings? The 13th? So, yeah. All right, any other prayer requests we need to add? Connie? JJ, our little lady that comes to our life issues meeting, yeah. on a travel mission, uh, one of her friends have been sick, so she's with her BFF traveling down to visit this sick friend. So, okay. for friend and for safe travel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's a pretty neat lady. Yeah. Like JJ. Yeah. The, the chili, you're talking about the chili supper? Yeah. It's right after church. 
Yeah, right after church, the judges will come in here. They will have the judging trays ready. Fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. And so, all right. Anything else? All right, so let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Get started today. Uh, Lord, I do thank you for the chance to meet in your house this morning, Lord, and uh, just want to pray that uh, you would speak to us in all the classes in this building and all the classes across the, the nation, Lord, that you would speak to your people and uh, encourage us this morning in this world that we're living in. It's so crazy, and just and we have so many prayer requests even uh, with our folks, Lord. I think of Pastor Jim Boyette uh, battling you know, his health health things and, and Pastor Mark Trotter, that uh, that doesn't really sound good, Lord. And I just pray that you'd be with him and his family and strengthen them. And uh, Pastor Randy Foster sure continue to, to work in their family and their life and just lift him up and thank you for him and uh, just pray your comfort and, and peace in his life and uh, JJ Lord just uh, pray we want to lift her up that she is a sweet young lady and just pray traveling mercies for her and uh, let, thanks for letting her go and minister to her friend and, and just pray that you'd speak to her and continue to draw her close to you Lord and thank you for her crossing our path and Lord as we teach this morning on, on Babylon I just pray that uh, you give me the words to say, things you want me to bring out, and just, just speak to us, Lord, through your word. That uh, it's just an awesome, awesome opportunity and an honor to, to break open your word, Lord. So uh, thank you for these things, and uh, we ask all this in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, yeah. So, like I said, Steve's not here. You're stuck with me today. Did everybody get a handout? All right. No, no handout. Taboras need a handout. You want a handout? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Chuck's passing it back. Thank you. Um, yeah, Pastor Steve, we've been going through the book of Jeremiah. We're up to around chapter 4 now. Steve asked me to uh, take a few Sundays to talk about Babylon. Because Babylon is a big player in our Bible, as we know. I mean, the, the word Babylon is over is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. It's a it's a big player, and Babylon is a big player with Israel in the, the where we're studying in Jeremiah. And a few weeks ago, Steve had started this little drawing here, and I really like it, so I just kind of threw it up here again. Um, so we'll get we'll get talking with, about that in a second, but. Whenever I, I I spoke on Babylon a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I, I titled that one "Surviving Babylon." Does anyone remember kind of what that was about? Surviving Babylon. None. Okay. <laughs> what it was about. Oftentimes, you know, you know, Bab- Babylon is a symbol for the world system, this political, religious, apostate system that we live in. That's Babylon. Sometimes we find ourselves dropped into a Babylon. Uh, sometimes we find, like, in our job or in our families, or we find ourselves in the midst of an ungodly sinful culture in our Bible that happened to a guy named Daniel 
So Daniel gives us a great like template, a great application on how we can you know live and thrive and serve God within that godless environment. Because Daniel, remember, was taken to Babylon as a young teenager. He he excelled, he thrived, he rose in power, he became the number three guy in the Babylonian kingdom. So uh, a study of his life is, is gives us all those practical lessons on how we also can thrive in a Babylon that we live in today. And that's what we talked about last time. Um, and this back on this and how it kind of you know figures in. Israel, the, the, Israel, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, um, they had all these kings that, that did not serve God, and they kind of went on a downward spiral, and we know about that, and that's what all the Old Testament prophets teach us. Well, the last few kings, it was a, it was a pretty hard downward spiral into sin. I didn't draw Babylon. And the whole time Israel's is getting worse and worse, the, this Babylonian kingdom is rising in power actually even feeds over into here this Babylonian kingdom is rising in power so when we get our prophets we're reading in our Old Testament pro, uh, books about Isaiah and Micah Daniel, Habakkuk, Ezekiel, Jeremiah all these guys are teaching and preaching about Babylon is coming um, remember our Bibles are not written in chronological order that's something I always try to teach people that are learning their Bible as it's new, new, new folks. Uh, the Bible's not in chronological order, so when we read, as if we kind of look at these books, these are all talking about the same thing. The language and the imagery of these books are all dealing with Babylon. That's, that's right outside their door. So as Steve is going through Jeremiah... You know, we keep talking about Babylon is coming. Babylon is coming because they were coming. Physically, they were coming for the nation of Israel. And they finally destroyed them in 606 B.C. And they, they went captive. And we, we kind of know that story. So, last time I talked about surviving Babylon. You know, Daniel here was taken captive, lived in Babylon, thrived in Babylon. And we learned some lessons from him. Well, today we're going to talk about fleeing Babylon because uh, a number of times in our Bible God uh, exhorts us, encourages us to get out of this, flee Babylon. We are living in a Babylon society and we are commanded to flee that Babylon. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is how some of that goes. And I put four reasons to socially distance from Babylon since... That's what we got to do. We got to socially distance from this this evil society that we live amongst. All right. Uh, just kind of review there on the front of the thing. We've already talked about how Babel means confusion. We know that uh, Babylon is the city of the gods, and, and we know where it's at. I didn't bring my maps out, but I think we all know where Babylon is. They actually just made a new song about Babylon. You know, that's something that's interesting. Like, there are so many movies, and like everybody wants to to do a Babylon thing. Yeah. I know Kanye did something here a few years ago, and Saddam Hussein was just that was his life passion is to rebuild Babylon. It's chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. So. 
Uh, actually, I have another candy bar bonus, the candy bar bonus question. Our Bible was written in... How many languages was our Bible written in? <laughs> Two? Three. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, Greek and, uh, Aramaic. Aramaic, which, yeah, Aramaic is a, for, Chaldean is included in that Aramaic t- dialect, which is the, the language of Babylon. Daniel was written mostly in Aramaic, which is the Babylonian language. So that's kind of it's kind of cool to think about that 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 language because you, you've, we probably all heard of Chaldea in our Bibles. That word comes up quite a bit. Chaldea, Chaldea, the Chaldeans were a people, were a were a people group that lived around the Euphrates Tigris River. They would be like what we call Persians and and the Arabs. Yeah. Babylonians were a nation of Babylon, which were Chaldean. So it's kind of synonymous, uh, if that makes sense. Babylon was the nation that had Chaldeans in it. So whenever you're reading your Bible, bottom line, and you're talking about like the Ur of Chaldees, where Abraham was at, that's the Chaldeans were Babylonians. Babylonian Chaldea, same thing. Would, would Egypt be considered Babylonian? No. No, they were, they were a little different. They were on the other side. But that, that Tigris, Euphrates, the uh, Fertile Crescent, is what they always taught us in school. That was the Ur of Chaldees, the Chaldeans. They spoke an Aramaic language that Daniel, most of Daniel, is written in. Because when Daniel was living in Babylon, so whenever Daniel's writing his book, he's writing it mostly in the Babylon language, the Aramaic. Talking about the Chaldean, Chaldeans. Yeah, Chaldeans. And so, yes. those are Babylonians? Those are Babylonians. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Chaldea is a people group, whereas Babylon was a nation. Yeah, so that's kind of the link between them, because a lot of times we'll see these words in our Bible, and sometimes we don't put them together, like when Abraham is in the Ur of Chaldees, the Chaldean Valley, He's being called out of Babylon, you know, in a practical application. Anyway, so Babylon, like I said, that's kind of the modern-day system that we live in. Uh, We live in this... Well, we're going to get to it. All right, so what we're going to talk about today is the judgment of this, this thing that we live in, the judgment of Babylon. I put some chapters here in your handout. Many times in these, primarily these books, Isaiah, Micah, Habakkuk, Daniel, all these guys, they all speak of the ultimate judgment of Babylon. Um, this is this is something that actually I just thought of something back back when I was teaching the minor prophets. Uh, let me see where I can draw this. Okay, you guys know a chameleon. I'm going to use my chameleon example. Because this, this has always helped me understand reading the Old Testament prophets, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you got a chameleon. Yeah, you got a chameleon. All right, let me do this. You know, he's got two eyes. I'm not too good at this, but he's kind of drawn down here. You got to be careful where you go with this thing. All right, get ahead on it here real quick. All right, so here's our chameleon, Mr. Chameleon. 
When you're looking at chameleon, he's looking in two different ways. So when we read our prophets, they are they it is awesome how God allowed them to speak of the near term Babylon's coming and the far term the prophetic what it's what's coming down because so many times when we're reading in Isaiah and Micah and we're getting ready to look at some of these examples in these chapters it's like well that kind of happened but that didn't happen you know and it's because the near term did happen but the far term hasn't happened yet and we can learn so much from these old prophet guys these books about what's going to happen because it, it didn't happen first time uh, does that make sense? All right, so let's look at a few of these because, like I said, you know, as Steve's going through Jeremiah, <clears throat> I think I'll explain this. As he's going through Jeremiah, they're talking about Babylon physically outside their gates coming in, and 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 these guys all pronounce judgment on Babylon. And, and when we read what they say, it's like it doesn't quite jive sometimes. So let's let's just take a look. Um, first, I was going to have us go to Revelation 17 and 18. I was kind of explaining to Pam and Emmett before everyone else got here that the study of the judgment of Babylon can get mighty deep, mighty quick. So I didn't want to go too deep, you know, here, it's early Sunday, you know, I haven't even had a pot of coffee yet. Uh, I don't want everybody, like, going to sleep or anything, so we're going to kind of just be like a rock skimming across a pond and just touch on some concepts of the judgment of Babylon. This is end time stuff. Um, Remember when, uh, we've talked about this many times. When Jesus came the first time, we've got four accounts of his first coming. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all describe kind of the same thing from a different perspective. We have the same thing in the book of Revelation. We have four different accounts of Jesus coming the second time with emphasis on different things. Actually, I think I brought a... See, I was going to bring my little sheet. I didn't bring it. It's in, it's in my book. Actually, I have one book left. I don't know if anyone... I think everyone here has one. Let me, let me look here. So, like, uh, Jeremiah, is that the one that uh, copies the New Testament? Or is that Isaiah? That kind of is like the New Testament? Oh, it's Isaiah. Isaiah, okay. Yeah, it's in two sections. Yeah. Chapters 1 39, and then, yeah up to 66. Yeah, that's Isaiah. It's the mini Bible. Alright, I don't have my little cheat sheet, but in the book of Revelation, we have four different accounts of the second coming of Christ. Uh, you know, one account might focus on vials. The next account, and Jesus comes at the end of that you know, that account. The next section will focus on the trumpets, and then Jesus comes. The next session of the seals, and then Jesus comes. So it's like Jesus is coming like four times in, in the Revelation. That's that's why, because they hit this where he comes. All right, so Babylon, same thing with Babylon. It's destroyed many times in the Revelation because it's it gets caught up. Because the, the destruction of Babylon, the final destruction, the judgment, 
is when Jesus comes back and defeats the Antichrist we come back we will actually be there and witness those that know the Lord the destruction of Babylon so it's, it's pretty cool to think about we are actually in some of these Old Testament prophecies specifically Obadiah that talk about us coming back and, and, and getting in on this so I don't want to get off too much so in, in, in Revelation 17 and 18 these are kind of the go to chapters on the final destruction of this evil thing called Babylon in chapter 17 that's the destruction of religious Babylon that's the Babylon we talked about when I went over the mystery of, of, of uh, the harlot. And we'll talk about that a little bit. The mystery of religion in Babylon. Okay, so Revelation 17 is the destruction of religious Babylon. And then God turns right around in Revelation 18 and talks the, about the destruction, the, the, the final destruction of the political commercial Babylon. Religious Babylon is, is destroyed by the Antichrist. It turns on her because he wants to be the the the, the worship thing. Whereas political Babylon is destroyed by the Lord that we're in on. So let's just take a quick look here. Uh, I'm gonna go to Revelation 17. All right. <clears throat> All right, I'll, I'll wait till we're done reading. All right, let me read. I'm going to start in 17, Revelation 17, chapter 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and he talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, and with with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication verse 3 so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet decked with gold, precious stones and pearls, and having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of this woman and of the beast that carried her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. Alright, so here this this is a typical revelation thing. It's we got like a scary image that's explained or that's detailed here. Um and you get all kinds of goofy interpretations of what this thing is. But what people don't necessarily do sometimes is just read on because Jesus gives us the exact interpretation of what this thing is. Um, verse 8, the beast. Well, it gets into what it was. He talks about the beast in verse 8, which is the Antichrist, the devil coming into the Antichrist. Uh, then verse 10, 
Well, verse 9, the seven, and th- this isn't really pertinent. I've, I've got a picture here we'll get to. Verse 9, the, the seven heads are seven mountains. Those are kingdoms. The woman is setting on these kingdoms, and there's seven kings in verse 10. Five are fallen. Those, those have been great kings throughout Gentile history, and don't need to get into that now. Um, the ten horns, there are ten kings. It's the ten toes of Daniel we're going to get into in a second. They all have one mind. They all make war with the Lamb. Down verse 15, he says, The waters which you see the, the whore setting on are people, multitudes, and nations. So it's basically all the peoples of the earth that this whore is controlling and setting on. Verse 16, the ten horns upon the beach. They, everybody hates the whore at this point. This is, so they're going to kill her. This political, this religious system that, that they've been with. Um, in verse 18, this woman was, which thou sawest is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So this woman is a city. On the next page, actually several pages, let's not go there quite yet, but I've got a picture of this little beast and it decodes everything about it. But here's the point. God starts off here, Jesus starts off in Revelation 17 and 18 using this image of this woman on a beast is this religious political economic system that the antichrist and the devil use in the end times for his final push to be worshipped and to set in the temple as God and, and, and those things 17 and 18 are the destruction of this animal, this beast 17 she's destroyed by the antichrist by the ten kings and then in 18, God destroys it. So, it says the legs of iron as Rome. Is that like the Vatican? Yes. Next page. Well, not. I shouldn't say just blanket. Yes, but yeah, it is kind of. It's it's a very very cool study. Yeah. Uh, I don't have. We'll kind of touch on some of it. So that. So verse 17, the the horror is destroyed. It seems weird saying that in church, but. Uh, it's just it's, it's weird. It's an offensive word. So in verse 18, she's destroyed by God. That's the thing I was wanting to see. The, the, the Antichrist destroys the religious system in 17. They, they rise up against her and kill her because he replaces her. So there will be a guy on this earth religiously leading the, the, the world that's empowered by the devil she's sitting on this beast controlling it and he's supporting her and, it's, and, and about halfway through the tribulation when he's finally had enough and he's in position he will knock her off and, and be the person himself because there is, there's, a, there's an unholy trinity the satanic trinity that will come into power in the end, at the very last of the tribulation period that's kind of what this is describing is the Antichrist will will get rid of religious Babylon because he wants to be worshipped. Whereas in chapter 18, this same image is now destroyed by God when he comes back at the second coming. That makes sense? That's kind of this high level like for this this study. So and that actually happens in in chapter 18 he goes through again like in verse 3 he talks about how all the nations have drunk of her wine they're all drunk for their fornication 
verse 4 you know the Lord's pleading us to come out from her my people That's, we'll talk more about that that we've not partaken her sins um, down in verse 10 chapter 18 verse 10 the angel uh, they're saying alas that great city Babylon that mighty city for in one hour is thy judgment come uh, the merchants are going to weep um, verse 21 1821 I'm just kind of skipping through here looking for highlights a mighty okay this is the final destruction this is the second coming of the Lord and, and verse 21 a mighty angel took up a stone a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all she's done and then the voice of no more voice so that's, that's the final destruction of Babylon that's the second coming of Christ so now let's just kind of glance back to our Old Testament prophets. It's cool to see how they're describing the same thing. So let's go back to Isaiah 13. And, and um, man, I'm almost there. Isaiah 13. All right. All right. And remember, Isaiah back here, he was preaching during Hezekiah's time. Babylon was coming to power. And he's telling Israel to, to come out from her, don't be a part of Babylon, and Babylon will be judged. And that's what we're going to talk about here in 13. Uh, let's see, let's go to, well, verse 1, 13, 1. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see. And then he goes talking about how bad she is. And then down at verse 9, 13.9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, delay and destroy, and he shall destroy the sinners from out of it. All right, so here i got to pause. This is very important. This is We've been seeing this as Steve goes through Jeremiah. But these prophets, there, there, there are a number of key words and phrases that reference the second coming. Actually, they reference a lot of things. And, and I actually, I we had covered this, I think, when I did Hosea, because uh, we were getting into the minor prophets. You've got the day of the Lord. You've got that day. You've got those days. You've got the day of Jesus Christ. You've got the day of redemption. You've got all these days that are used over and over in our Bibles. And they all have specific meanings that are always used the same way. And that's got this little table here shows now. So here we've got in verse 9, the day of the Lord. All caps. That is always going to be the second coming of Christ. So so when Isaiah is here in verse in chapter 13, he's talking about how Babylon's going to be judged, and all of a sudden he's throwing in day of the Lord stuff. That's this chameleon looking short term and long term. Um, verse 10, the stars of heaven, constant. He's talking, talking about things that are going to be going on. Now look at verse 17. In 1317, Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them, which shall not regard silver and gold, and shall not delight in it. So, that's short term. We know from history, we know from Isaiah, specifically, well, chapter 45, and then Daniel. 
Okay, let me back up. I'm thinking like a thousand things. There's a lot of things to, to, to consider. Remember in Daniel chapter 5, our old buddy Belteshazzar, he's having a party. He's a Babylonian king. He's having a party, drunken party. He says, go get the utensils out of the, that we stole from the temple, and we're going to use these to party. And while he's doing that, this hand shows up and starts writing and basically says, you're done. Because that night, the Medes, the Persians, Medes and the Persians, <coughs> snuck under the Euphrates and they took Babylon without destroying it. They just took, they took the city and they wiped out the Babylonians. And now the Medes are in control. So in verse 17, Isaiah is saying, I'm going to stir up the Medes against them, Babylon. So that's the short term. He's, Medes are coming to take Babylon. That's exactly what happened. But he's also talking day of the Lord, future. So whenever we read our, our Old Testament prophets, it's always good to know these key words because then you can kind of fit the thing in where it, where it, where it belongs. Um, uh, see, now, chapter 14 is more destruction of Babylon. Actually, 14 is one of the best chapters on the fall of Satan. And he goes from the fall of Satan in, in verses like 1 through 17 into Babylon, linking them. And look at down at verse uh, 19, Isaiah 14, 19. And he's talking about Babylon. He says, Thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch. <laughs> yes, that's one of the names of the Antichrist. He's the idle shepherd. He's the abominable branch. He's, he's got all these names. And he talks about how he's going to wipe him out. Um, so I'm going to leave Isaiah. I don't want to run out of time. So let, let's just take a look now at Jeremiah. He's talking at, he's prophesying at the same, roughly the same time, talking about the same Babylon. And we're going to go to Isaiah 50. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to steal any thunder from Steve. Um, but I just wanted to touch on, as Jeremiah is wrapping up his book... He's reminding us that judgment's coming for Babylon. And just look at the words he uses. It's really cool. So uh, chapter 50, let's start. Well, let's start at verse 1. Jeremiah 50, verse 1. The word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare ye among the nations, publish, set up a standard, publish, conceal it not. Babylon is taken... Bell's confounded, Murdoch is broken, and her idols are, are broken in pieces. Bell and Murdoch are some of the gods of the Babylonians. And in verse 3, For out of the north there cometh up a nation against her, which was the Medes. And that was the Medes, they were in the north. But Jesus comes from the north. We come from the north. So it's got a double application there. For out of the north there cometh a nation against her which shall make her land desolate. Well, that didn't happen when the Medes came. The Medes came into Babylon and took it. And people lived in Babylon. People still live there. That hadn't happened yet. But when we come out of the north with the Lord Jesus, this will happen. So, Alright, so now verse 4. In those days, there's another one. That is always the tribulation period. The time of Jacob's trouble. 
So now we are 100% in end times prophetically speaking about the destruction of Babylon in those days and in that time the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together and they're going to go out weeping um, and it talks about how they're going to get destroyed uh, verse 18 I will destroy the king of Babylon uh, let me see here, I'm looking for another good one okay look at verse 41 Isaiah, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah 50, we're, we're still in chapter 50, verse 41. Behold, a people shall come from the north, a great nation, and many kings shall be raised up from the coast of the earth. You know, um, and again, this is talking about the Medes. When the Medes come in from the north, they sneak under the city. They, they figure out a plan to drain the Euphrates where the Babylonians had a, a big gate. They drain the Euphrates, and then the Mede army can just come into Babylon. And that's since when they busted up Belshazzar's party. They just walked in. Well, but all this imagery we're reading about is this great battle in those days, you know, the day of the Lord. And this big army from the north, from the coast of the kings. This is describing kind of the Battle of Armageddon. It's one of many, but because you remember what happens is the Antichrist... You know, kills the religious Babylon, sets on the throne himself, and the Jews finally kind of, you know, they've got the two witnesses going on when Moses and Elijah come back during the end times. So the Jews kind of figure out this guy is not all that, he's the Antichrist. So they flee down into Edom, into the Sea of Petra. And they end up up in Armageddon, and when the Antichrist and his ten nation army are, are like, getting ready to come down on Israel and wipe them out finally once and for all you know you hear the trumpet call the Calvary coming and that's when Jesus comes back with us from the north from heaven and wipe him out so that's kind of what this is talking about with this these words here we're going to come from the north um, okay look at chapter 50 okay look, look at verse 46 this is another one uh, Jeremiah fifty forty six. At the noise is of the taking of Babylon, the earth is moved, and the cry is heard among the nations. That hasn't happened yet. I mean, most of these have not happened. Verse fifty. Okay, let's look at fifty one, verse one. Thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will raise up against Babylon and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me a destroying wind. That is another key word. When, when you're talking about the day of the Lord, when the Lord comes back, when, when the armies of the Antichrist are getting ready to wipe out Israel and, and we come back with Jesus, you've got a day of darkness, you've got earthquakes, you've got mountain splitting, it's called a threshing floor, it's called a whirlwind many times in these minors. All these are key words that, that clue you in on what, what prophetic event he's talking about. So... Does that make sense? I don't want to lose anybody. It's early. You're going through a lot of this. But. All right. All right. So, and then verse 2. I will send unto Babylon fanners. We're in Jeremiah 51 too, That shall fan her and shall run her empty in the land. For in the day of trouble. There's another one. The day of trouble. That's, that's those days. That's the tribulation. That's the day of Jacob's trouble. That's when Israel is being punished for the rejection.
So, lots of key words. You know, as, as Steve's going through Jeremiah, like we we are up to chapter four now. We they we that's just loaded with key words that talk about some of this stuff. But, but he's doing an application study, so which I probably should be doing. All right, verse six. God's exhorting us to flee out of the midst of Babylon. Um, gosh, there's just so many of them. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the point. I think you guys get it. Uh, I'm looking for another good one that might. Well, verse 33, Jeremiah 50, 51:33 is there's another threshing floor reference. Uh, verse 57 talks about the nations being drunk with her people. What verse? Uh, 57. Now, down at, look how Jeremiah closes. I really don't want to steal any of Steve's thunder, but it closes out, or as we're closing. Jeremiah 51, verse 62. Then shalt thou say, O Lord, thou hast spoken against this place to cut it off. None shall remain in it, neither shall man or beast, that it shall be desolate forever. See, Babylon is, was not desolate forever when the Medes took it. And that shall be when thou hast made an end of this reading. Thou shalt bind a stone and cast it into the Euphrates, which is the same thing that happened in Revelation 18 when the angel came down and threw it in the river. It's the same word pictures. Babylon will sink and it shall not rise. So, I spent way too much time on that. So, it's very clear that God has plans for Babylon to judge it. It had a short-term plan with the Medes. In Daniel 5, with the party of Belteshazzar, that's when they were, as a nation, ended. And then the long term, the second coming of Christ. So, knowing that, now, the next page is Daniel chapter 2. Okay, Daniel is full of these images and, and visions that he has, but a lot of them are kind of the same thing. And I didn't want to draw them all out, don't have time, that's not where we're headed, but... Um, a key a key thing to understand with Daniel is in chapter 2 when he has Nebuchadnezzar's dream and you guys have probably all heard this but Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he dreamed about this image and uh, he was going to he needed help interpreting it so Daniel God gives Daniel the interpretation and here's what this is and this is this is another cool thing to think about with our Bible um if you, okay, looking at history, you know we had we had the Ming dynasties. Oh, we had all these dynasties in China, you know the Khans and the uh, the Song, all these dynasties. Uh, Attila the Huns. Uh, we had all of our Native Americans that were here on the United States. We had all the South America. None of those are in the Bible. The only thing in the Bible are nations that dealt directly with Israel. So, uh, you know, the world is still going on, but it's seemingly God doesn't really care because he doesn't put them in his word. But he does for the Gentile nations that, that work with Israel, that touch Israel. And that's what we have in Daniel chapter 2. Basically what God gave Daniel, God gave Nebuchadnezzar, is uh, the history of the rest of the world before it happened, going all the way to the, his second coming. 
And that's what this image is. So it starts out with a head of gold. That was Nebuchadnezzar. That was Babylon. So basically Babylon ruled the Gentile world until the Medes came. So Babylon is a head of gold. You guys have heard the phrase times of the Gentiles? We are in times of the Gentiles. Times of the Gentiles started right here when Jerusalem was destroyed. God put Israel in the back burner and now I'm going to deal with Gentiles for until I come back. Um, yeah, and so we're in times of the Gentiles. So what he's given Daniel here are the times of the Gentiles nations. So starts out with the head of gold, Babylon, and then Media, Persia. The Persians conquered Babylon. It's in Daniel 5. And then Brass was Greece. They're the ones that conquered Persia. That's Alexander the Great. You know, he started out in, uh, in Greece and then swept across and took the Persians. So that, and that happened. Alexander, the, Alexander died off and his kingdom was conquered by Rome. So then Rome, and Rome has two legs, which is kind of a split of the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox and the Catholics. I don't have time to get into that. But, and then the toes and the clay at the bottom. So at the very end of this statue, at the end of the of end times, there's going to be this ten king federation, ten toes, that's the ten that's talked about in Revelation, uh, that will help bring in the Antichrist. And then I've got the stone, I do the little stone coming down, smashing the idol, and that's, that's what happens at the second coming, is this stone made without hands, comes down, crushes the whole thing, and it's over. So, that's in a nutshell, the destruction of Babylon and the, the Babylon system. All right, everybody, I lost anybody here. <laughs> All right, so the next page, I just threw this on here because it, it, it applies, but I don't have time to get into it. The religion of Babylon that is killed off in, in Revelation 17 is, is this thing here that we talked about when we did the mysteries. How it started at Nimrod, this mystery religion, started at Nimrod, worshiping a baby and its mother, the sun god, and all of these goofy practices that they brought in that the Persians adopted, just like in the statue, that Greece adopted with you know Dionysus, uh, Rome adopted in 313 when Constantine brought in all that stuff and created the Roman Catholic Church. The stuff's still going on. And it created that beast we see at the bottom. Uh, your uh, woman kind of looks like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Which woman? Oh, and the beast? Yeah. This, this woman? <laughs> now, the next page, this is the beast in 17 that we talked about. That's a decode of, of all the stuff. That's the religious Babylon that's going to be destroyed. All right, so... That that's kind of the first half. That's that's the uh, the kind of deep stuff. I just kind of want to point out that's how Babylon is finally destroyed. It started with Nimrod. It's still here today. We live in it, and it's it's going to be destroyed. All right. So next page. I'm not. Sure, I think it's page maybe five. Four reasons to socially distance ourselves from Babylon. All right. I just put, where is your Babylon? 
you know, like, like we've talked about. Babylon around us is this godless society that we live in. Uh, they don't like God's rules. They don't like his reign. They oppose him. They oppose Christ. They oppose us. They oppose everything we believe. And we live in this. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it is very influential in our lives. It, it's, it's when we look out and see Babylon, they're all drunk with the pleasures of the world, and it's, it's appealing sometimes. Uh, you know, they're having fun, we're not. Um, and then I, that last line, I, I got thinking about it. Sometimes we even build a, a prideful Babylon in our hearts. Sometimes, yeah, Babylon's out there, but sometimes it's in here. And, and there's many times in Psalms and Proverbs where people are likened to cities. Hey, one of my favorites is that you know, a city without walls is like a, a person that's not in charge of their emotions is like a city without walls. They're opened up to any kind of attack. Anyone can take them. They're just blowing with the wind. And many times people are likened to cities. So sometimes we can create a Babylon in our hearts where we're, we oppose God for some reason or we don't want to follow his rule for some reason. Um, we, we, get, we, we do we get intoxicated or get jealous of these, these fun things out there in the world. We oppose his rule in our life, which is not good to have a Babylon in your heart. So first, you know, Jesus, many times, in all these different, what you call it, uh, prophecies, we're called to get out of Babylon. And I just put Revelation 18.4 as one of them that we, we, I think we read it. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. So he's talking to my people. I mean, there are believers, and I've, I've been one, that dabbled in Babylon. You know, it's very hard to separate ourselves from sometimes from Babylon. But uh, So he, you know, many times Jesus is asking us to come out from her. This, this world system, this godless culture that we live in. Be separate, which is really all about sanctification. That's why I put the little definition there. Sanctify, you know, it's to be separate, set apart. I like the way Steve describes salvation and sanctification. That salvation is an event, like a birth. You got saved. You, you got on your knees, you asked the Lord to come in your heart. That's an event. You know, mine was November 23rd, 1983. The rest of my life has been, a, and all of us, has been a long process to leave Babylon behind and to get out of her and to, to grow. So, um, and then I put that uh, 2 Corinthians. This, this always makes me think of 2 Corinthians, the, the unequally yoked passage. We often use this passage about be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness. We always use that in a marriage context. You know, I hear that all the time with marriage. But it's much more than marriage. And, and I, I use this in my own life as much as I can that we shouldn't be yoked with Babylon, with unbelievers. Like, I shouldn't have good friends that are Babylonians. If I had a business, I wouldn't want to to be in close business relationship with people that don't believe like me. I'm, that would be unequally yoked. So, so friends, jobs, there's jobs I would never take because it's a little too Babylonian for me. I would be unequally yoked for it. Um, 
So anyway, just a different way. I challenge you to look at that different. When you think about being unequally yoked, not just marriage. All right, so next. All right, I said that verse in about Timothy. Many times Paul exhorted Timothy to come out, sanctify yourself, get out of the world. All right, number two. Another, another second reason why it's important to socially distance from Babylon, as we just talked about for a long time, that judgment is coming to this thing. God is going to judge Babylon. And an awesome verse, Amos 3.7 and Psalms 25.14. This is another principle about God, something else I love about God that we should all realize. He always tells us what he's going to do before he does it. And that's some of my favorite verses there that talk about that. Uh, so all this end time stuff, we know Babylon's going to be destroyed. He's telling us about it. He told us many times how it's going to be destroyed. So he's going to tell us. He's, he's, he's begging us to be out. Um, another reason I put down there, do we live without fear of coming judgment? All of us believers will stand before the Lord someday. And this is just, it's why it's called the terror of the Lord. And we're going to give an account for what we did with what we had in this life. And that's so our, that's our performance review. And it's coming. So that's another reason to get away from her, Babylon, and to uh, serve the Lord. Um, another verse about sanctification. Are we still in Babylon or peeking through the windows? You know, I... And when I put windows and I wrote that, I was actually thinking of phones and computers. That's a it's an easy way for people to peek in on Babylon. You know, you think about... And I think about this when I'm doing something. Would people? Would I be embarrassed if people seen my search history or my cookies file on my computer? You know, uh, that's something we all need to think about. And I, you know, I wouldn't, as far as I know. But you know, we tend to do things secretly when we don't think anyone's looking and peek in the windows of Babylon when we shouldn't. So that's kind of what I was thinking there. All right. Yeah, because I don't know if, I mean, I think we all know that every, everything you do, everything you read on, on your internet is tracked. And that's whenever my kids were, uh, actually, they don't know I did this, but <laughs> I don't think they watch these. But I would check our computer all the time because I knew where the cookie files were. Uh, I know how to get back the deleted search history. I mean, all that stuff's there. You can get to it, so... I always thought of them. That's why I got a Facebook account so I can spy on them. Or MySpace back in the day. Uh, all right, so number three, another, the third reason, this is the most important reason, and I think I know everyone here, and I think we've all taken this. Jesus paid the exit price. Jesus created this cross shaped exit, like a chicken exit on a roller coaster, to get out of Babylon. So no one, when he says flee Babylon, no one needs, no one is stuck there. We all have a way out. I know Rebecca just went through it, so and that's awesome. She went through the cross-shaped exit. God doesn't want to stay. And then Lot is a good example of this guy. He 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 was fleeing. Um, all right, this is a. I got a few minutes here. Be vigilant. Babylon wants you back. So let's say you have fleed Babylon. And I, I, I fled it years ago. A lot of us have. There have been times when I'm peeking in the windows when I go back. And there's an awesome...
song that I love that I wanted to figure out a way to work in, so I, I did. <laughs> Psalms 137. Now, you know, I'll get a candy bar. Can anyone tell me who wrote the, the book of Psalms? Well, more than one person. There you go, Kevin. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, the book of Psalms, you know, we've talked about this many times. It's a song book. Psalms means songs. Moses wrote some. David and Asaph wrote a lot. Uh, Ezra. We believe Jeremiah wrote this psalm. The, the Jews teach the Jeremiah. So let's go to Psalm 137. And uh, the Jews teach that Jeremiah wrote it, but there's still folks that think Ezra wrote it. But whoever wrote Psalms 137 is a person that knows how to knows what it's like to walk with God, to be plugged in with God, and to and to leave. And for whatever reason, either on their own choosing or whatever, they're gone. So let's take a look at it. Psalms 137, verse one. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. And then verse 4, How shall we sing of the Lord's song in a strange land? So what happened here is somebody knew the Lord. Let's say like us, we know the Lord. We go back to Babylon for whatever reason. And that's why I put we set. We're not doing anything for God. We're sad and depressed. We're weeping. And we're remembering how great it was back when I used to be plugged in. And I was like teaching Bible. I was teaching kids. I was doing all these cool things. I was walking with the Lord. But now I'm sad and I've, I've hung my harp on a willow tree because I'm not singing of his love anymore. And the world, those that took me captive, are wanting me to dance to their tune. Sing us a song. Sing us about these good old songs. You know, how great it was and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very sad picture of someone that's, that's kind of out of fellowship. And it really, they don't, it doesn't really end good. It isn't like they turn around and come back. But... It just reminds me of myself whenever I slip back into Babylon how sad it is and that the world wants me to dance to their tune and sing sing the songs and, and be happy even though I'm not. Because, yeah, the world wants us to be happy. So we can't be happy living in a strange land. Verse, verse 4, I think that's cool. A Christian, the most miserable Christian is a person that's out of fellowship. The most, most miserable person is a believer that's out of fellowship. They're a believer, knows God, they're living in a strange land. They hung up their harp, they're setting, they're weeping, they're remembering the good old days. So I think that's cool. So that's kind of it for my destroying Babylon, multi-angles of looking at it. Any questions? Was it? Everybody follow me, hopefully. (laughs) A lot of info we went through. Uh, all right, so it's ten after. I want to finish a little early so I can. I got some people I got to rope down. So, Kevin, do you care to close us? I'm sure. tired of talking. My dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I just uh, I come to you today and I, I ask that uh, you allow us to take away from this what you want. Just uh, leave the rest behind. Just uh, just allow us.